You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Shannon to chat with me today on Unscripted with Alex. Thank you for having me. So today's conversation, we're going to be talking about childcare. So for the listeners, Shannon is the centre director at Good Start Early Learning Childcare um, Centre. And we're basically going to dive into those common questions parents have when they start their child off at daycare. It's obviously can be a little bit of an anxious time for parents. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find it's mainly just with their first one or do they sort of those anxieties come up again with each child? I think in different ways. I know I have conversations with some families, obviously, when they start for the first time and it's a whole new world and they don't know what to expect. And then, you know, you have parents who might have their last little one and they know it's their last baby and they're kind of a bit apprehensive about, you know, starting that that daycare journey. So yeah, I think it can show in lots of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think probably maybe one of the questions people are wondering is trying to decide which would be the right daycare for them, because there's the, the, what do you call it when they have, they go to someone's house? So there's family daycare. Family daycare. Yeah. Okay. And then they've got centre daycare. Yep. There's family daycare. That's called long daycare. So that's where we are at a service. There's also a couple of other options out there, which aren't quite as common. There's in-home care where there's different schemes where educators will come to your home and they'll look after your child in your home. So that's probably the main three that we do have here. Okay. And is that usually if they've got like an autoimmune condition or something and they can't go to a daycare? I think it's also what suits your family. You know, you might not want to have your child in a big group. You might want to have your child in a big group because you want them to socialise or they could have health conditions or they could have, a, you know, some kind of, you know, a developmental delay or support or health conditions. So there's lots of different reasons why parents opt to look at different options. Mm. It's interesting. When we started this, the whole process of putting our son into daycare, he was about six months old and... The conversation came about because my partner had broken his leg Mm. and he was out of action and my little one wasn't sleeping well. So I wasn't getting any sleep, but it was all getting a little bit much. And I remember having the conversation with my mum and me and my brother both went to daycare when we were little, little. I think we were only a few weeks old, like newborns when we went to daycare. Mum's like, just pop them in. (laughs) He won't know any different. It'll be fine. I thought, okay, great. And we originally chose to do in someone's home. And although they're fabulous, it just didn't work for us either. He wasn't ready, which he wasn't because he started his um, separation anxiety quite young. But also we didn't have, he probably needed more hands-on and a little bit more one-to-one care that he wasn't able to get there. So we had a break and then I remember the conversation that I had with you. And just after that phone call, I got off the phone call with you and I said to mum, I just feel (laughs) like this is it. This is the right place. There was so much support that I instantly felt from that conversation with you and just sort of reassuring that the steps of starting daycare. And I suppose that's kind of where we'll go with this conversation today. First of all, how do you suggest people find the right daycare for them and their child? There's lots of different ways. So, you know, talk to your mummy network, talk to your mother's group, talk to your friends who have got 
children because they've obviously experienced the care in your local area. You can go online and do a search. For example, Good Start, if you live in, obviously we're in a regional area here, but if you're in, say, Perth, you can look at the um, closer centre to where you live or where you work. And I think also deciding about what you need as a family. So obviously you had a specific example. Parents access care because of lots of reasons. They have to go back to work. They want to go back to work. They're looking to study. They might just want a day for themselves to do things at home. They might want their child to socialise. So for you as a parent to understand what you're looking for is going to influence the kind of care that you're looking at as well. So I think to make contact with the centre and then go in for a tour, ask to come in, have a look around. Is it at a time that they're playing or they're in part of their routine? So it might be a morning session, it could be over a sleep or a meal time and even come back for a second look at a different time of the day because obviously we have a routine throughout the day, we do different things at different times. If you're looking for your child to socialise, do you want a larger group for them to socialise? Do you want a centre that does mixed age care? So you might have an 18-month-old with like a three-year-old or do you want them to be with all children of their own ages? So it's really about understanding what you want as a parent. And something else which is quite important is to ask about what the centres values or their philosophy is as well. So every centre will have a philosophy and it's how they believe that children learn and how we interact with families and, you know, our our goals for our um, centre as well. So ask to have a look at that because you want to make sure that your values and what you want for your child is in line with your centre as well. Yeah. While you're on that point, what are the sort of the main ones that you guys have at Good Start? Absolutely. So our basis of our philosophy is our relationships with our families because as a family, you know your child the best. So we want to know what you want. We also believe um, in play-based learning. So play-based learning for those who aren't sure is about learning by doing everyday tasks. So you know your child at home, they'll want to pull open the kitchen cupboards. They'll want to watch you in the bathroom as you, you know, do your makeup. They'll want to go out in the backyard. They want to do what they want to, what they see you doing. So that's the kind of environment that we help. So we look, so we want them to be able to wash their hands themselves. We want them to be able to self-serve their meals, even at in our nursery space. You know, it might look a bit different because they might not have the skills to do that, but lots of conversation, lots of language-rich environments. So look what you're doing. You're going up, you're going to down, that's a blue cup, or let's have a sleep, let's have a nappy change, lots and lots of talking. So that's what we believe, that's how we believe that children want to learn, how they want to be involved and how they want their day to go. Because if they feel comfortable and relaxed and you as a parent feel comfortable and they're learning, then they're going to be happier and the whole process is going to be smoother. Happy child, happy parent, happy educators. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods? It's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health. Not only does it feed bad gut bacteria, but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol. I have most certainly noticed 
when Hugo comes home and new things that he's obviously learnt at daycare. It's amazing. Even like the hand washing, I remember the first time he's going, hands, hands, like what do you do wash his hands? I'm like, oh, okay, so you've obviously been learning that at, at daycare. So many amazing things that he brings home from there that mm. he's learnt and it's just so amazing to watch them change and it's all these little things but they are so exciting to see them develop in that way. Absolutely and they're big steps for them, you know, to learn like like you said, Hugo, to wash his hands. You know, we obviously have to ensure we do that from a safety perspective and we do that from a hygiene perspective, but it's fun. It's the bubbles and it's, oh, it's cold water, it's hot, or let's turn it off and on and, yeah. Yeah, and trying to get them away from it as well after. Done enough hand washing now. (laughs) They're extra clean, yeah. Yeah, extra clean. With the separation anxiety, obviously that's a big thing for some children. Some children, I understand, is not a thing at all. They don't mm-hmm. <laughs> experience yep. it. Hugo had big, big feelings and that was quite a gradual process that we had to take to get him to feel comfortable in his in the centre and to be able to go for longer periods of time. What are some suggestions around helping the children going through separation anxiety? So separation anxiety is a developmental stage. It's not something that is, you know, a naughty thing or that they shouldn't be doing. It's a perfectly normal part of their development. So to support that, so for example, when you first came and you went, yep, we'd love to come here, we started that orientation process. So if you know that I'm going to be starting care in a month's time, we would say, come and have a visit. If you can come once or twice a week, come for half an hour, then for an hour, then perhaps come for a lunchtime, then perhaps come for a sleep time. So the most important thing that we want to establish is those key educator relationships that that child and that the family has with their educators in there because, you know, as a parent, you know, handing your child over to someone you've only met maybe a handful of times, it's a, it's a huge ask and, it, you know, it's, it pulls on the heartstrings and you want to make sure they're safe and they're loved. So ha- taking as much time as you can as a family and that is allowed to create those relationships is the most important thing. If that child knows I'm upset but if I'm hungry or I need my nappy changed, someone's going to hug me or feed me or make me feel clean and that's the most important thing because if they have those relationships, they're going to feel confident to, you know, step outside a bit and to try this and to try that. So we call that the circle of security. So if they feel safe and they know that they can go back if they need something or if they're sad or if they miss their mum or their dad, they've got someone who can help them with that and then they can then take that next step and each time they step out a little bit further and then hopefully on the first day, see your mum, you know, and that's not always the case and that can take, you know, time as well. And also when you do start doing a shorter day, if you can, you know, if your work allows for that and then again a short day with a play, then maybe a short day with a meal and a play and then maybe adding in a sleep time. Um, Sleep time's often the hardest thing for them to get used to. So, Baby steps, lots of communication with your educators in your centre and being really open and, you know, honest about about what you're looking for and what your child needs. Yeah, I uh, found that to be such a beautiful process that we went through with you guys. And I think I definitely have a very close relationship with the educators there yeah. as well because of that yeah. um, slower s- stepping system that we took and we really did go by Hugo's lead and how he was adjusting and we did lots of visits beforehand Mm -hmm. and then yes small increments of change and the other thing that I really liked was that no educator sort of you know tried to make him go to them it was they sort of watched and see who did Hugo attach to and he sort of 
attached. Oh, as we know, he's very attached to one. Yes, yes. But then that he, you know, he found someone else and he attached to someone yep. else, and then he's now he's sort of so comfortable with so many of the educators there, and he's obviously growing and he's older now as well. But I found that process very reassuring, and although it was heartbreaking watching him cry as you leave, mm. just eventually sort of stopped in it. I remember mm. the first time and I left and I was like, oh, he didn't cry. <laughs> he's just... A celebration. Yeah, he's growing and Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for a family, you know, for, ex- for example, when you first start, I'll give you a call mid-morning to just to let you know how they're going. Are they exploring? Are they staying close to an educator? Have they eaten? You know, or if they're upset and just, you know, and distressed and we can't settle them, we'll call you. I think, you know, I think they've had their day. That's a good start. We can get that far because we don't want the child to associate that with, you know, an negative experience or a feeling. So, again, back to what I said before, being really open and honest with our families. If they haven't had the most positive days, we'll let you know, but we'll also go, however, they were able to pee themselves for a, for a couple of minutes or they slept for 10 minutes and that 10 minutes sleep can be such a big, a, you know, a big celebration. So like we like to celebrate the small things as well. And I think when you, I can remember when you first started coming to collect him and we'd um, come out and we'd go, oh, he had stopped crying before we got to the end of the hallway. You wouldn't have even gotten out the car park yet. And he was, you know, so it's those small celebrations, I think as a parent that you want to know that he's okay and you can start your day because it's not just about the child, it's also about mum and dad and nana and the whole family. Yeah. 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 For somebody that's going to be going to daycare, can you give us an idea then what a day in the life of like a baby or a toddler is in, we'll go probably nursery Mm because obviously there's the older kids as well. Sure. Their day will look very different. But in the nursery, what sort of does the day look like? Sure. So primarily that day is based on their routine they have at home. So, for example, our nursery, we can have children from as young as six weeks. Um, Our nursery goes up to two years. So, you know, up until they're around that 18-month age, they might still be having a morning sleep and an afternoon sleep and they might have their lunch at 11 o'clock. So not every child in that space is going to be on the same routine. In fact, Most of them are all on their own routines. So the first thing is we know the routine, we know what that child needs at what time and we will be there to provide for that. As they get a bit older, what the day will look like, um, they will come in, they'll greet their educator when they arrive at the centre, we'll do a handover with the family. Have they eaten well? Are they happy? Are they healthy? Anything you want us to know about their day? And then we'll we'll, uh, settle them into their day. They'll help us to unpack their bags. They'll put their drink bottle in the bottle container. They might put their comforter item in the cot room or on their bed. And then we have time where they can just explore the room and interact with their peers. And then we'll kind of start on their routines for the day. So normally I'd say the most common time people drop their children off is kind of that school time. So, you know, eight to nine, we'll have morning tea at about half past nine fresh fruit, crackers, veggie sticks, porridge, oats, something nice and healthy. Uh, Then we have a session of playtime where we might do some spontaneous activities, but also we have lots of planning within the day about, you know, about educational experiences. When we talk about educational experiences for a child who might be 12 months, it's again back to that play-based learning. So the educators might have planned a specific experience around water or colours or climbing or gross motor then we'll head into lunchtime. The transitions are smooth as, you know, as as well. So 
it's, you know, it's almost lunchtime, let's go put our hats away, et cetera, et cetera. Nappy changes are done respectfully, so they're done individually. We talk them through that nappy change. Let's go get a fresh nappy. We're going to feel nice and clean after this. You know, it's done in a respectful way because you don't want someone to watch you go to the toilet. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And then we might go into lunchtime, lots of singing, lots of talking about what we're doing sleep time transition and then afternoon we head into afternoon tea and then home time generally for most families at our centre is between that kind of 3.30 and 5 time. So that's the day. So on the go constantly, lots of opportunities for busy physical play, lots of opportunities also for quiet time. You know, they might want to sit quietly, spend some one-on-one with their educator. So it's quite flexible. So like we allow for them, if they're tired and they want to go to bed early, that's fine. Yeah. 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 I've noticed lots of outdoor play and interaction with nature and stuff lately, which uh, seems the kids absolutely love. I know Hugo loves, you know, sniffing off the flowers Mm -hmm. and, you know, weeding. I think he was weeding the other day. I did see that. Yeah. Oh, he's in his element. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they have that connection to their centre because, you know, they didn't choose to come to daycare. That that decision was made for them. So whilst they're there, we want them to feel like they have a sense of ownership. So that is, you know, that is, that's their garden. That's their cot. That's their sleep room. So they have that connection. They see photos of them self. We like take pictures on the iPads and we'll say, look at this Hugo doing the gardening. They want to have that connection to feel comfortable. If they feel comfortable, they're going to be happy and they're going to, again, extend those relationships they have with their educators and also their peers as well. I'm going to jump down to one of the other questions, which, because we've sort of, you've touched on it a few times, Mm. this big thing around naps. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe it's one of the questions that people, or something that maybe parents are more nervous about. Absolutely, yeah. Every child sleeps differently and you know, parents might be worried that their child's not going to get enough sleep or um, maybe their child only rocks to sleep or Mm -hmm. feeds to sleep. How do you guys work around all of that? Sure. It's always a question we have when we have a centre tour. It's always a topic that parents are curious about because you know how important sleep is to your child. If you have a child who hasn't had a sleep all day, they get home five o'clock, you've had a long day at work, you know, it, it can be a very hard, you know, situation and thinking about doing that for a couple of weeks until they settle in, I would imagine would be very taunting for a, you know, like for a parent or for a family. So it's something, again, when you do start, we have that conversation with you exactly what you just said. How do they settle to sleep? What do they do? Do they self-settle? Do you sit with them? What comfort items do they have? Like, do they like a, a quiet, pitch black, dark room? You know, can they sleep in something that's a bit lighter or sound? So... He can sometimes have up to 12 babies all asleep in, in one room at the same time. Um, I just think that's amazing. <laughs> I know, like, I know. <laughs> it is. And, um, but I think what helps us with that is those owing each educator, each child will have a key educator who knows exactly what they need. So there'll be an educator who knows that that child likes a pat on the back and then on the bottom. There'll be an educator that knows that child will self-settle. They'll wake up in 10 minutes, spit out their dummy, put it back in and they'll go back to sleep. So it's knowing what routine these children have and how they go to sleep. And there are some 
children who will only fall asleep in their arms, you know. So that's the conversation, that's the information that we will get before you start. So we're not having to figure it out on the day with an upset child. And also we encourage them to have sleep items from home. So, you know, your child might have a a sleeping bag and a dummy and a snuggly toy or they might not have anything and they might self-settle and fall asleep within five minutes. Every child is so different. Our educators will sit there. So if they're used to being rocked to sleep at home, our educators will sit there on the rocking chair and give them a pat and put them to bed and then transfer them to bed. We have a child who always falls asleep in a little, it's like a little soft cubby area. He always falls asleep in there because that's how he feels comfortable. And that's the kind of sleep he has at home. And then that's where he'll sleep. He's safe. He's being supervised. And we know because we have had that conversation with the family. And again, if it's not a success straight away, which often it's it's not, it's about perseverance and it's about, again, you know, perhaps um, talking to mum or dad, do you have an item of clothing from home that has your smell on them that might make them feel comfortable? Is there a particular song that you sing to them when they go to sleep at home? So about having those familiar things that are going to make you feel comfortable. It's the same with, you know, with us. If we're not at home in our own bed with our own pillow because you know what your pillow feels like and the thickness of your own quilt, if you don't have that, it's always a bit harder to get to sleep. So trying to make it as comfortable and routine as we can and having those conversations. And for the, like the number of naps and stuff throughout the day, do you just follow the, the child's lead or do you tend to, if the parent follows a structure? Do you do the structure? You just do what sort of the parent prefers or how does that work? We ask the parents. So um, sometimes we have a child who we know is on a routine, but they might be teething. So they're a bit out of their routine or they've been away for the weekend. So we will have a conversation, you know, do we want us to stick to the routine or do you want us to follow their lead and their cue? So we know that when they're tired, they might pull on their ear. If they're tired earlier, are you happy for us to put them to bed earlier. So it's about what the family wants and about what the child needs. So it's the, that's the most important thing. So we are flexible. We know children love routine and that was, that's what makes them feel safe and feel comfortable. So if they're tired and they, you know, and they need to go to sleep or they're showing us they want to go to sleep, they might just go over to a quiet area with a toy and you know, or their comforter item, or they might go to bed. So it's what the child needs and the conversation with the family again. Do you have any suggestions for parents who might be dealing with an overtired child when they come (laughs) home? Because like you said, it can take some time for them to adjust Mm. or maybe they are just more excited when they're a daycare and they come home and they're they're exhausted. Any tips or suggestions? So... I can, I go back to the same thing, but having a routine because again, that gives them comfort. As a parent, um, you would know you get home from work, you've got all your your you know day of what you've got in your backpack. That child has what's had, that they've had their day in that backpack. You might have older siblings who you've come to get from school. So having a routine when you get home, it might be a nice warm bath. It doesn't have to be a bath where they're having to be, you know, it's about being clean, but it just could be that smell. You might have something in there that smells nice. It could be coming home and having a cuddle together. It, it you know, it could be having some sort of routine for that child to come home to and lots and lots of conversation about recognition of feelings. So, you know, talking to a child who might be 12 months old, they're not going to sit and have a conversation with you verbally. 
because they're not quite there yet, but they understand what you're saying. So are you feeling tired? Let's have a cuddle, being nice and calm and reflecting how they're feeling. I can see that you're tired. Let's have a tickle. Let's sing a song. Let's do something quiet. Mm, Yeah. Okay. That's great suggestions. Yeah, I I find at the moment as well there's lots of learning going on as Hugo's starting to learn to talk Mm. and coming home from um, daycare he has such an amazing time and he just needs that moment of cuddles Mm. when we get home and then he's sort of resettled again and 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 he's missed you you know he hasn't he hasn't seen you for seven eight nine hours you know and as much as he's been with his educators who have you know looked after him and cared for him and who who he loves to spend time with or his mum and, you know, and his dad and his Anna. So, yeah. you know, he wants to touch pace and reconnect with you again. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely noticed. He just needs to reconnect, mm. like you said, mm. and then he um, sort of reaches his equilibrium again or yep. something and then he's Let's go. good to go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think the next big question on people's minds, and you would probably get this a lot as well, what happens around mealtime, introducing of solids, that anxiety around maybe if they are just starting to eat and who's watching them eat and how Absolutely. do you know what they can eat, what your process there? So again, going back to having those conversations with the families, particularly with children who, you know, have just started to eat solid foods at home. So they might be starting at home with uh, fruit or vegetable puree. We also talk about what have they had because we're not going to offer them something they haven't ever had before. We don't want them to have a, you know, allergic reaction. We want to understand what they're capable of. A child's, you know, palate, it's all about senses. It will develop for a a child to start to eat solids. It's a very odd sensation, you know, they've never experienced that before. So we have our amazing chef, Christy. So she prepares all of the food each day fresh. She will do, for example, she'll do some puree foods. She'll do some vegetables that have been, that are softer that the child can touch, those children who are doing finger food, and then she'll do the food the rest of the children are eating. So they might be doing a shepherd's pie. So there's that transition from solids to so ash to something a bit more solid to you know like a proper meal supervision obviously number one a child when they do start to eat they might choke but that's because they're learning how to use their palate their mouth their tongue how to swallow food it's very very different from just having milk so sit with them let them watch you eat and eat with them together because again children learn by watching In our setting, obviously, we all eat together if they're all eating at the same time. So we will have a child who might be, you know, six, seven months and just starting to eat sat at the table watching the older ones eat. So they're going to learn by watching what the other ones do. And we will sit next to them, you know, just to make sure that they don't put too much in. Some children put everything in at once because they're like, I love this food thing. It's all in, you know. So so we'll sit with them. We'll help them to try it and we'll, again, talk about what does that taste? Is it hot? Is it cold? Oh, that's a bit, you know, that's a bit sweet or, yeah. So it's all about talking about it and not, and just making it a normal, nice gentle experience and if they're not ready they're not that like they're not ready offer them an option so if they're eating their veggies have have a pit of puree and then perhaps something a bit more solid and go back and forth Mm. Yeah. I've noticed there's always a few educators um, amongst the group. So what's the ratio? Is it like 
one to four? Or? Yeah, that's right. So for, uh, for, for all children, Perth to two, it's a one to four ratio. For example, our nursery, we have three or four educators in there each day. We have a, um, we have a, a philosophy of one up, everyone down. So obviously, you know, in a nursery, there's bottles to be made, there's nappy to be changed. So there's always someone who's up taking care of those things. The rest of the educators are sat down with the children. So that's for supervision, making sure they're eating properly, helping them with their, and, you know, scaffolding their learning and also just to guide their learning. So, uh, and also, you know, the educators will sit there and eat with them as well. You know, this is really tasty. Let's have a look at this. This is carrot. That's bread. So it's all about the learning through experiencing again. Mm. And so with bottles, so the younger ones that are taking a bottle, with the parents always sort of breastfed, you can do breast milk in a bottle or formula mm-hmm. in a bottle. You've got those options as well to absolutely. do either. Or- yeah, absolutely. Again, that's um, something we'll ask before your child does start. So we have all the options there for families. So if you're a mum who works around and you want to pop in on your lunch break and you want to breastfeed, there's a nice, you know, quiet area that's private. You can take your child in, give them a breastfeed if you wanted to come down. You can express at home. You can freeze it. We have uh, parents who freeze it and bring it in and we'll reheat it in the bottle warmer. We have parents who, you know, express in the morning. We have parents who then shift onto cow's milk or formula. So they'll bring that up and we'll make that up for them fresh at the time. So, yeah. Beautiful. And what are some of the benefits of everyone sitting around and eating together? It's social, you know. I mean, as a you know adult going out and socializing with your friends food makes you happy you know you can talk around you can see what other people are eating it helps children to also try something new because they're going oh you know such and such over here is eating that carrot I want to get in on that action so you know it's about going oh I can uh, you know I can try that I can do that and again it's it's time for that really language rich socialization eye contact Everyone develops their social skills in a particular way. So we might start off not really having an interest in others when we're quite young and as we get older we start to go, I can watch them but I'm going to be over here doing my own game. As I get older I might go and interact with them for a minute and sit next to them and play and then they'll start to develop their, you know, peer-to-peer interaction. So Sitting down and having a meal together, it's a great chance for, you know, for all the children who might be maybe 6, 12 um, months difference in age, you know, like to learn from each other and also just to sit around and just have some smiles and share some time together because they're often all, you know, often having a sleep at different times or doing their own thing and they can sit and they can hang out with the educators. You don't use high chairs in our nursery space. So even our children who might be, you know, six months old or three months old, will sit with an educator on their lap or they'll sit in our little chairs that we have. So it's about everyone coming together. Mm, they're yeah. a beautiful little table and chair setting. They're kind of, I don't know how to describe this, but they're like the little chairs that kind of slot into the table and mm. they can't sort of, they're not going to fall out of them. They're secure, yeah. but they're little mini versions. Yeah. And they look so cute because they're all sitting on they tables all and are chairs together. around the table. Yeah, yeah no, beautiful. we stopped using high chairs about three years ago. I mean, high chairs are great and, you know, a, a, being at home is a completely different environment mm-hmm. to where we are, but they take up lots of space, you know. If we have the opportunity for all our, you know, children to be together and to interact together and they're safe and they're supported, why wouldn't you? Yeah, because yeah. they're all sitting in a nice circle yeah. facing each other and, yeah, watching and having mm. a giggle or doing their own thing, like you said. I think what you've just touched on is probably one of the main benefits, I suppose, or one of the benefits of going to somewhere like Good 
could start in a, at a bigger sort of daycare or going to daycare with other children. What are some of the other benefits, developmental, learning, social skills with going to daycare? Absolutely. So there's different benefits at different ages. So for your children who are babies in the under two age group, you know, it's about them learning to form relationships outside of their family or, you know, like their immediate village as they get older. So our centre, for example, we have a nursery space, we have a toddler space, which is our two-year-olds. Then we have a kindergarten space, which is our three and four-year-olds. So different rooms focus on different things. However, Something that we do have is we are led by the National Quality Framework, which is a curriculum for under school age children. So what that does is that guides us to develop educational programs. It helps us to support the children's growth. We document their learning. So, you know, are they reaching their milestones? You know, how can we really foster their development and their interests? And then also, you know, it's a great opportunity for families who might have a concern about their child's development or they're unsure about, you know, that old question, you know, is my child normal? You know, because there is no such thing. So it's about (laughs) having those, that time and that space to go, yep, that's what they're really interested in right now. Let's, as they get older, let's start to develop and support them to get ready for school. You all know that the birth to five is the most important time in a child's life for for their brain development. Those things that we do uh, every day and that you have under the early years learning framework are going to help to provide and to scaffold that as they grow and they learn. So hopefully they, you know, enter school confident and then knowledgeable and they've had that experience of socialisation and they learn some resilience and, yeah, they um, are confident young people. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the big reasons for us having Hugo go to daycare was for part of that, the social skills. And I think immediately the first reason was I needed a break. Mm. (laughs) And the other one was, oh, it would be great for social skills. But I am seeing more and more. I just sort of didn't really think about how much educational Mm. learning he would achieve there. And the days that he goes to daycare, I go, oh, He's eaten so well. He's learnt all these amazing things. He's starting to, you know, learn words and language. And there's so much education that's happening already at such a young age that I just sort of oversaw. I didn't really think about, I suppose. Mm. They weren't the immediate reasons for me sending him there, but definitely seeing them shine through. And I, it could only be because he's going to daycare and having that lots of interaction. And so going to your, your day or starting your day or going to daycare, what would you suggest parents put in their little backpack? <laughs> <laughs> Always a question that we get as well. So talk to your service about what they provide. So, for example, our centre provides all of your nappies, all of your hygiene supplies like, your you know, your wipes and your tissues, etc. So for our centre, for example, we ask our families to pack a couple of extra changes of clothes they might have a little explosion or, you know, yeah, need to be changed. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, you know, it's a reality, isn't it? You know, they might go out and do some water play or they might just get a bit messy or, you know, so we want to make sure they're going home clean. Then those things are personal to them. So their sleep comforters. So what do they have for sleep time? Pop that into the bag. Are they currently, you know, having a bit of a happy rash? You need to pop some cream into the bag and we can put that on there for them. Are they currently taking any medication? Are they teething? Do they, you know, need a bit of Panadol or do they have asthma? Do they need some kind of medication that they would have at home? We also ask for a water bottle. We'd love to encourage to drink lots and lots of water. They have access to their 
the um, water all day and a hat. Some centres, when you enrol, for example, it will give you a little hat and a little care package with a shirt and whatnot. Otherwise, get a hat that will suit them. If you want to provide your own sunscreen, you can. Um, most centres will have their own, but obviously if they may have sensitive skin, you could provide that yourself from home. And anything else you think that your child might need, but have that conversation with your service provider and they'll let you know what they provide and what you need to provide. Mm. Actually, that's probably a good point there around the sunscreen. And now obviously we're heading Mm. into warmer weather. I'm sure this is a question that you'll get a lot of from parents. Uh, When we've had this conversation before around the sunscreen that Good Start uses, which is the Hamilton sensitive range. And from my research that I've done as a pharmacist and talking on different pharmacist uh, forums across Australia, it does seem to be the one that a lot of kids find best suited to their skin. They have a like less irritation mm-hmm. to, to that particular one. But yeah, other children need different forms. And so I suppose at Good Start, you guys are happy for them to use their own sunscreen if needed as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's part of one of the questions when you do enrol and you go through the enrolment process, there is a section in there that says that you give us permission to put sunscreen on, or if you want to provide your own from home. So that sunscreen, they'll have their name on it. It will sit up in the box. And then when we head outside, so we obviously go by the UV index. So uh, once it gets to a certain level, even if it's in the middle of winter, we put the sunscreen on and we and we'll document that and re uh, you know apply that as needed you know sometimes when it's very overcast you can like still have a high level for the uv so we do actually check that every day and we document that so we know what times we need to put it on but yeah if you want to have your own from home that's absolutely fine mm. So the next one, and hopefully it's not as a big issue as we come into spring and summer, but I think it's still going to be hanging around, immunity. Yes, yep, absolutely. (laughs) And I often get asked the question, oh, what can we do for immunity for our children starting daycare? My biggest tip is look after your own immunity parents because the little ones, you know, they're going to get sicknesses as part of building their immune system. You know, they're going to get lots in those first few years. They will bring it home to you. So (laughs) just supporting your own immune system. What are the processes that you have in place for ensuring cleanliness and helping them stay as well as possible? Sure. So again, that's always a big question that we get asked on a um, centre tour. We need to understand that children learn with their senses. They learn sight, sound, touch, taste. A baby, how do they learn? They put things in their mouth. And we understand that. And we don't want to stop them from doing that because that's how they learn. So what we will do is we will observe them. If we see a child has picked up a toy and they're having a good chew on it or they're exploring it with their mouth, that's fine. Once they've finished, it gets put into a wash bucket and it will be cleaned and disinfected and and, um, put out. And most centres will have quite uh, informed policies and procedures around how we maintain cleanliness. Obviously, we use quite high level, you know, cleaning products, which is safe for children. For example, our centre, we have cleaners after hours every night to come in and to do extra cleaning. We also have, would recommend if your child is unwell, keep them at home because again, they are going to spread quite easily. A child who's teething is going to drool. There's going to be bodily fluids. So we would say, keep them at home. If they're not well at the centre and we see they're getting unwell, we'll give you a call. Just want to let you know we've taken their temperature or they're not quite themselves or, you know, we think they would be best at home until they're feeling better, but we can't sugarcoat the fact that, you know, 
as you said, children do pick up illnesses, but we just try to manage that in the best way that we can. We have knowledge of everyone's immunisation status, which is obviously confidential, uh, but that helps to guide us if we have outbreaks of certain things. So your common childhood illnesses, which you'll see in a centre, you know, you might have a bit of hand, foot and mouth or conjunctivitis. I mean, obviously right now it's lots of viruses and lots of colds and um, we're coming out of the end of this, hopefully, COVID, you know, we've had, I think this has been, this is the worst winter we've ever seen, but we will just ensure that we are doing everything that we can to make sure when that child comes in each day, it's clean, it's fresh, we know what's going on, we know who's sick, we know what we need to do. And we don't want our educators to be unwell either, you know. So, (laughs) yeah, so they're just as important as all our families and our children. Yeah, Mm. I think across the board it's been a terrible winter for Mm. people with, yeah, not just COVID but all sorts of viruses and things that are out there and hopefully it just means that we're getting stronger immune systems going forward, who knows. But, yeah. um, and also when your your little one's not well, they just want to be home with having a cuddle with mum or dad. That's it. Or their, their, um, whoever's looking after them for the mm. day, like Nana or something like that. Let's move forward to the money side of things. Right. <laughs> it's so confusing, the subsidy stuff. How does it work? Who gets subsidised? How do you work out how much you get subsidised? What is that all about? Perfect. (laughs) Great question. For those of you who haven't ever experienced uh, childcare subsidy before, the government will subsidise families' childcare fee based on the household income for the year and based on the hours of activity of the parents. So activity could include working, studying, looking for work. It could include having your own business at home. So there is actually a criteria you can look at on the Centrelink website and they will uh, list everything there. So as a parent, if I was going to make a subsidy claim, I would head over to MyGov on the Centrelink, make a claim through that. They'll ask you a set of questions, send that off to Centrelink. I would recommend to do that maybe two, three, four weeks out before you do start care. Sometimes it can take some time to go through. Then what um, Centrelink will do is they will come back to you and say, right, we're going to pay X amount percent of your fee for X amount of hours per fortnight. So that is based on those two criteria of the combined household income and the hours of activity. It will also match up to the days that you work. So if you work two days a week, you'll get enough hours to cover those days. If you work full time, you'll have enough hours to cover those those days at the centre. What then happens is our system talks to Centrelink and what will happen is as the parent, you will receive your statement and you pay the gap fee. So it's a bit like when you go to Medicare. So your doctor might charge you 100, but you only pay 36 or, you know, something similar like that. So what happens is say your childcare fee is $120 a day, you might pay 50 of that and the rest will come to your provider from the government. So you receive that. So you pay the gap. Mm. So the percentage of what's covered is based on how much you, your income as a family? It's the household income. Household That's correct. Income. Yeah. And the amount of hours that you get covered is dependent on how many hours you're working or yes. activity or yes. education. Yep. Aha. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Yes. And then you do have to keep that updated with Centrelink people. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. It catches me out every time. I'm mm. like, oh, that's right, I've got to update that thing. Um, otherwise, you don't get covered. That's right. <laughs> you have but to you know, it back. If, if something happens and you forget to do it, you know, just get onto your app or just, you know, give Centrelink a call, they can update that. And most of the time, that can be updated at the centre level. So, you know, you might miss a week, but they can often catch up or but yeah I would say if you can as soon as you have any changes make those changes on your app just to make sure everything's nice and smooth yeah and do they need to know which center they're going to before they start that claim process oh so you don't have to know which center you're attending Um, however when our system talks to Centrelink it will then send a message to the family saying this is just to confirm that you are attending Good Start Early Learning Bustleton and you confirm that and everything will fall into place and then it will all be ready for when you start care. Okay, great. If anyone has any questions around subsidy and are looking at going to Good Start um, in Bustleton, I'm sure you'll be happy to sure. take their phone calls. Absolutely. <laughs> or emails or That's any right. questions. Yep. Beautiful. Um, okay, so can you please give us a little bit of an overview about Good Start? So if someone's wanting to maybe go there or thinking about going to Good Start Early Learning, can you tell us a bit about the company across Australia and then Bustleton specific even or just a bit about it? Sure. So Good Start Early Learning is our 12th year that we have been, we are a not-for-profit organisation. So our primary focus is on supporting families. So our not-for-profit, what that really allows us to do is those um, fees that we that we receive from families can be reinvested into Good Start overall and into your individual centre. So, you know, those fees will help to upgrade the centre to get, you know, wonderful new resources to help with the staff and their professional development. You know, it also helps us around inclusion. So that might help us to support a family who perhaps might come from a vulnerable situation and it will help to support their fees. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of reasons that I'm a huge advocate for -for not-for-profit. You know, I... I believe it's uh, childcare is an essential service. So the fact that we're able to provide that service and at the same time look after families and our, you know, educators is such a great initiative. We have centres across the whole of Australia. So there's 650 plus services wow. across the, yeah, across the whole country. And our centre here, I've been there for... 10 years next year. Oh, so, wow. congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's a big time. That's great. <laughs> it is, yeah. So um, our um, centre is going to look different to any other centre in Australia because we focus on the needs of our local community, you know, our needs of our community here. Parcelton, it's a very FIFO-based, you know, community, part-time workforce community. We have many families who travel to the next town to work. So it'll look different to a centre in the middle of Perth or Sydney and their centre will cater for the needs of their families. So they might open a little bit earlier or they might provide different things. Mm. Based on that, um, with the FIFO thing that you mentioned, when families send their children to Good Start, if they choose to go there, then... They can put casual days in as well, can't they? They don't yeah. have to sort of have a set day that they go every week or how does that? Yeah, so there's options there. So options for families are, you know, who might only want to do two days a week or they might do a 
five-day fortnight. They might do three days one day and two days the next day. We also offer casual bookings. So, you know, as a parent, you would know something's popped up or I've been asked to work extra or I just want to have a day for myself. You know, you can call us up or call up your service provider and say, do you have any spots there? And they can book you in for an extra day. But if you, if you know, it, you know, if you know you need Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday every week, you can book that in and you know you have those spots every week. Mm. I should take one of those days that you just suggested. <laughs> for some self-care. <laughs> for something for myself. I'll just book him in and I'll go have a massage. I will put that on the list. There you go. I'll look at it when <laughs> I get back today. <laughs> So if anybody is looking at trying to find you, what is your social media here in Bustleton? So we have our Facebook page, so Good Start Early Learning Bustleton. We're also on Instagram, so um, it's at Good Start Bustleton. Or you can look at our Good Start Early Learning also have um, Facebook and they also have Instagram. Their Facebook page is just Good Start Early Learning and their Instagram page is Good Start Moments underscore. You can oh, like, that's them. Okay, yes. That's them, yes. You can like see and they will share images from all of our centres. So it's, you know, so nice to look at different centres. You'll see some centres that are in the middle of the city or you'll see some centres that are in, you know, regional areas or, yeah, it's quite lovely to get, you know, and to get some inspiration to do things at home as well. Yeah. And they share lots of great ideas and, you know, parenting tips. You can also go to our website, so goodstart.org.au. So if you're looking for a centre, you can type in the area where you live or if you're looking about a career in early learning, there's also links for that there as well. Oh, great. We'll add all of that into the show notes so people can easily find all of that. I did see a photo the other day. um, Actually, it might have been a recent one posted. They've flipped the uh, table up and put uh, glad wrap around it and they're doing painting. I thought, that's such a great idea. I'll have to do that maybe when he's a little bit older. At the moment, everything just still goes in the mouth. Yes. (laughs) That's how they learn. He's still learning. Yes. Yes. Or maybe we'll do that yogurt paint so then it can go. Oh, that's it. It's edible. (laughs) And that's what daycare is for, you know, and that's what we're there for. So as much as we are looking after those children because you might have to go to work, it's also, you know, allowing them to be messy and to to take their clothes off and paint their belly and run around outside and and under the, you know, under the sprinkler. So, yeah. Yes, I love that. Get dirty and messy at daycare and come home and then be clean. (laughs) That's it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Shannon, for taking the time to have a chat with us today. And I hope that's really help some of the listeners prepare I think it will so if there's any questions they can um, send it to me or send it to you thank Thank you you. so much thanks Alex thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex this show was brought to you by Batika Co 